You're listening to the Girls on the Grid podcast with Tanea and Priya. Welcome back to the Girls on the Grid podcast. Look how much sauce is on there. Mm, This is good. Sorry guys, we're just uh, currently enjoying some delicious, I mean, absolutely disgusting McDonald's. It's delicious. My McChicken is so good. Isn't it? Mm. We're back. Hey, this is our first one back together. It is. For a while. Mm. For a long time. For a very long time. Mm. And it's really good to have you back. So welcome back to Naya. Thank you. Thank you. Tell us uh, some of the highlights of your uh, New York trip. I'm sure this is reminding you a lot of New York. We uh, had Maccas once sorry, in America. Sorry, your America trip. We, your... Had, we had Maccas mm. once in America when we were in LA. Chad went over there recently and he said it's way better. It was definitely no. worse. The sausage McMuffin was about mm. a 2 out of 10 compared to our 10 out of 10. Right. So. New York trip? Um, I did. It was a, it was a big month. Mm-hmm. We did so much that it's a little bit hard to sort of remember what we did, if that makes mm. sense. Like, it was just... It was so jam-packed. We were everywhere. We were everywhere. Um, first in LA, you know, did like all the studio tours, did Universal, Warner Bros, all that fun stuff. And you still managed to fit in some motorsport, I saw. I did. We went to AMA Supercross. Ew. That was cool. Ew. Ew. What? Is that a hair? What is that? <laughs> Gross. Don't look too hard. That's the secret. I can taste it. Oh, yuck. Sorry. What this, was it? There was something black in my burger. And it tasted burnt. Yuck. Then went to Disneyland. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, went to New York. It was really, really cold in New York. It was like negative 22 degrees in New York. Mm-hmm. Which and was, you did a podcast in New which York. Which was really cold. And we did a live podcast in New York. Did one with Amber O'Keefe, which is a couple of episodes back, if you want to go listen to that. That was cool to like be in a studio and like... Yeah, it's so much better when you like talk so much to better. them as well. Like, do it, do it properly. That was really cool. Uh, then we went to Nashville, then Vegas, then home. And pretty much since I got home mm. a week and a half ago. It's been nonstop. It's literally been nonstop. It's currently Sunday right now. We're sitting in my car after a full weekend at Phillip Island, munching on some Maccas at 6.40 in the afternoon while it's raining outside. As we should be. As we should be. It's been a big weekend. So I went to Phillip Island just as a fan today. <laughs> but, of course... I couldn't resist, and mm. Tanea got me on the tools, we drove around the track, we filmed some race cars, we did some interviews, it was pretty fun. It was fun. Mm. I'm highly stressed, I'm very anxious about the whole thing, but we got it done. It was funny though, I had people coming up to me being like, what are you doing? <laughs> where, where is your camera? And I must admit, it felt weird. Anyway, we did our first podcast episode back together. Sorry, ignore my back for- bag thing. I'm going to be hearing a lot of <laughs> those delicious ASMR Macca sounds. Yeah, we had our first episode together. Yes. With a pretty amazing guest mm. as well. So for this week's episode, we spoke to Emma Nota Francesco. Emma is a motoring journalist. She is a TV presenter. She's pretty much been involved in every motorsport you can think of uh, here in Australia and some stuff overseas as well. Very confident, very mm. outgoing has a real presence mm-hmm. and she about just loves, her. She just loves motorsport, loves cars. Loves it. Just loves a it. serious passion. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool to just chat about that love. and Yeah. Yep. And obviously we chatted about, you know, how she got started and all that stuff. But you guys will hear all that in the episode, which we're going to start right now. We're going to have some nuggets. <laughs> Hello. 
Emma Nonna Francesco, welcome to the Girls on the Grid podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me live in your studio. This is this is really cool. <laughs> I've never been invited into a studio before. We are digitally on the cloud studio. Um, we actually want to, we need to do more in person stuff because it's so yeah. much better. Well, it did mean that I had to put my face on, but it's totally fine. Exactly, it's handy because <laughs> I'm just sitting here in my trackies right now, and no one. I'm would in know. long soccer socks with an activewear shirt on and like soccer pants because I'm about to go play futsal after we finish this. All right, well, next time we have to do the, the full length view next time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. Let's get into the real juicy stuff of the podcast. Let's talk about Priya's bangs. Priya got bangs, everyone. We're a little bit concerned as to how long they're going to last before she I'm starts. I'm worried about her mental up. health. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were just gonna stop it. We're a little bit concerned. <laughs> no, we're not concerned. They look, they look we great. Are. Just the maintenance and the commitment. It's a big commitment, but that's great. It's been 24 hours actually, and so far so good. But I think after the first wash, that'll be the. That'll be like the real teller of whether I like it or not, whether I can style them myself. You know, I decided to cut all my hair off on a motorsport weekend because it was just getting too much to have to do my hair every single morning at 5am. I ended up going into I'm one I'm starting of the, to understand that. Yeah, the writer's girlfriend was a hairdresser and she's like, Emma, I'm available. I'm like, well, thank you so much for saying that. I will be in your motel room every Saturday and Sunday morning going forward. <laughs> And yeah, I had like extensions at the time and just, it took too long. Like the boys would get yeah. up and roll out of bed. I'd already been doing my hair and makeup for an hour and a half. And I was like, you know what? It's time to cut it all off. And nothing's changed. It still takes an hour and it a half. It suits now. you. It looks really good. Oh, wait. Yeah, this is, I forgot this is a podcast. Are we recording an actual right? podcast? Right, right, right. <laughs> I thought we were just sitting here <laughs> chatting about hair, which I'm totally. We could, we could do that. This is Girls on the Grid. Let's go. Emma. You're a familiar face in motorsport and automotive media and you've been floating around for a while. So how did this all begin for you? That makes me sound really old, but thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying. <laughs> no, no, no. It's been, yeah, I thought about it the other day and it's been, well, eight years. Yeah, 2014 was my very first motorsport event. I'll never forget. It was the Townsville 500. And yeah, that was 2014. That was supercars on big screen. Um, but, you know, I love hearing everyone's journey. And sometimes I tell people my story. I'm like, oh, this is really boring. But I'll tell you, and they're like, wow, that's really fascinating. But I'll try and cut it down anyway, because it's quite a long journey. Um, but I actually started in advertising and moved from that to the traffic chopper. And people still ask me, I think monthly, are you the, are you the chopper chick? Like can never live it down. So I was in the traffic chopper for Channel 10 for quite some time, um, which is funny because I, I could get lost in a paper bag. So I obviously bluffed my way through that job. Um, but while I was doing that, I was doing anything I could to sort of just get my name out there. So I hired a publicist, an agent. I was networking, going to events. And from there, um, I started getting some sporting gigs. So I actually started on soccer grounds, doing some ground reporting at soccer events, ICC, Socceroos. Um, and from there, I got a call up to potentially do some stuff with supercars. Um, so I flew over to Sydney, I had the meeting and it was really funny. I still remember the guy was like, so you love cars? Like you're really into your cars? I'm like, yeah, like seriously, I'm really into my cars. Um, so it took some convincing, but they gave me a trial and 
you know, the rest is history. From there, they brought me on for the rest of the year. I was only six rounds or so. So I, I quit my full-time job basically just to to go around and get whatever I could. Um, and that was supercars and then that moved into drift cars. And then I got the call up to do GPTV for Formula One. So I sort, sort of started really moving into pit lanes. And then I covered pretty much everything around Australia. I did, you know, Shannon's, which meant I was doing radicals and Porsches. Um, and from there I went into the superbikes and superbikes was, you know, it was only really part-time, but a full-time commitment because then I became the exec executive producer for that show, which was a really great opportunity. Um, and I was with them for four years until I moved into where I am now, which is uh, the automotive world. So before I moved to drive, I was actually at Witchcar um, and did a TV show with them on Channel 10. Unfortunately, lost my position during COVID. So COVID was a really rough time of eight months, no work. You know, there weren't motorsport events around. Um, but yeah, I was just trying to really stay connected. And that's how my drive job came about, just basically stalking people until someone gave me an, another job. Um, but there were times where I thought, wow, you know, maybe maybe my time's come to an end. Maybe I need to think about something else. I was actually contemplating producing, um, but I'm glad I didn't do that. And I'm glad that this role popped up. And I've been here for two and a half years now working as a presenter and journalist for Drive. That's my story. I tried to keep it as short as I could. <laughs> you've, kind, you've kind of done it all. And in saying you wanted to keep it short, let's just expand a little bit more. How did your love of cars come about? Yeah, it's my two older brothers. I really had no choice. You know, I was dragged to the summer nats, the spring nats and car shows on weekends. And I just loved it from a young age. Um, my dad was really into Formula One. So it's something that we got up and, you know, watched every weekend together. And, um, you know, we always used to, it was sport in general as well, because we all used to watch soccer every Sunday, you know, the, the Italian league. Um, but I think going to those supercar events when I was younger, you know, meeting P Peter Brock at these events, it really cemented it for me. I was like, oh, this is really cool. I want to go to more. Started going to the F1 ever since it came to Melbourne. And then from the F1, I think the journey goes from there because you're watching supercars, you know, you're watching all the things, the support categories that are out on track. So you just come to love all those categories as well. Um, but yeah, Formula One, what is this like the 26th year or something of Formula One in Melbourne, but I've been to every single one. So I think I have my brothers to thank for that. And I feel sorry for them because, you know, they, they run their own business and everything, but it has absolutely nothing to do with cars. So I'll call them. I'm like, sorry, I'm just driving a Ferrari in Spain. I've got to call you back. And they're like, hate you. Um, but I bring them along to anything that I possibly can. So You've been a part of Drive TV for a while now. Uh, can you tell us a bit about the series and what you do? Yeah, so um, Drive TV started last year. We're in our fourth season already. I don't know how that happened. Um, but myself and my co-host Trent, basically I like to say it's a, a top gear versus getaway. So there's a bit of travel and there's a lot of cars and we take cars and head to destinations around Australia, but we like to look at the road less traveled. So you won't see us on, you know, the Great Ocean Road or anything that everyone knows about. We like to take a different route um, and yeah, journey to these amazing towns across Australia while driving great cars. So we sort of cover, you know, the driving roads, the car and the destination. Um, so it's really threefold, but yeah, it's been lots of fun. Um, it's every Sunday. This Sunday I'm on in a Volvo, um, catch it at 11am. And yeah, it's been a really, really cool thing to be a part of. I've really never thought when I 
joined Drive um, two and a half years ago that I go from, you know, writing news stories and articles, um, you know, opinion pieces to being on TV, traveling around, um, driving cars. So it's pretty cool. Sounds like a dream job for someone who loves cars. It really is. <laughs> people just, I, I try and explain to people, you know, so what do you do as a job? Well, you know, I yeah, re- review cars, you know, you play it down a bit and they're like, so what do you actually do? I don't get it. Like you just drive around in cars. Um, so it's a hard one to explain, but yeah, I feel very grateful. What would you say your favorite car is that you've ever been able to drive in general or on like drive TV? I get asked this, we all get asked this question all the time and I really don't have one answer. Um, you know, I have driven a lot of Ferraris. Um, I think one of the greatest moments was getting invited to Spain to drive their 296 GTB through the streets of Seville, um, which was pretty incredible. But yeah, I have driven a lot of Ferraris, but I, I really just enjoy driving a bit of everything. So I'll have fun in a Hyundai i20N and then I'll jump into, you know, a, a something hotted up or, you know, I'm driving an X5 at the moment, which I still love, like a classic SUV. Um, I got to do like Targa in a Jaguar F-Pace SVR. Anything loud, I, I enjoy. I have to say anything that's got an amazing engine. Do you have like your own set car, like personal car, or do you just have enough to kind of keep you going? What's the go? Yeah, it's funny because I'm sort of in and out of cars uh, weekly. And just recently, I actually had to visit my parents' house and pick up my good old Volkswagen Tiguan, um, which has sort of been sitting there collecting dust for a couple of years. I'm thinking of selling. So if anyone's in the market for a uh, Volkswagen Tiguan, please hit me up. It's a good time to sell. To sell. So, um, yeah. I <laughs> Good advertising. I, yeah, exactly. Um, I have that to rely on if I ever need a car. But, um, yeah, there's usually quite a few going around. And what about your dream car? One that you haven't been able to drive yet? Yes. You're allowed to say, you're allowed to say Charles Leclerc's F1 car. We'll accept Well, that. of course not. I mean, when, what do I have to do to go in the back of this two-seater, this Minardi V10 that goes around the track? Um, if you're listening on Grand Prix, I'm available to sit in that two-seater and do some laps. Um, I mean, it's got to be a Ferrari, right? So how many photos have I taken with an F40? I think it's been on my wall since I was a little kid. That's a dream car. Um, yeah, it, it's got to, it's got to have the prancing horse, like an 812 super fast, even something that's really loud and red with a Ferrari badge will do me just fine. <laughs> I don't know if other people do this, but like, I have my dream car, like my ultra unrealistic dream car. And then I have like my, like, you know, SUV, like normal realistic car. And, or like an everyday, yeah, because you've got to have, yeah, yeah. you've got to have your sports car, have right? Super unrealistic one that that is like multiple six figures, and then you got to have your one that's like you take the kids to school with, you know? Yeah. So what is my soccer mum car then? I think it's got to be like an X five competition, or it's got to be like a super SUV, right? I don't want to say a Lamborghini Urus, but they've really grown on me. Something like that. See, Lamborghini Urus is my like, you know like boss, boss bitch kind yeah, of car. It's, it's boss vibes. I should yeah. say boss babe. I should say So boss yeah, you've got to have your super SUV for during the week and then your Ferrari mm. to drive around on the weekends. <laughs> my friends, my friends own a, a Lamborghini, uh, a Urus. And when I was up there last, like we just went cruising through like, the streets of Gold Coast and I was like, yeah, this is it. This is the vibe. Well, 
That's the if car. If you don't want a Taurus and if you want to spend double that amount of money, you could always get the latest uh, Ferrari, which is their SUV, or they don't like to call it, but their Puta Sangue, <laughs> which I was at the launch of um, at the start or the end of last year. And that looks pretty amazing, but very expensive. Sure. I've got plenty of time let me, to save Let me spend it. double the money. I'll spend yeah, double exactly. the money. <laughs> so in the Drive TV series, uh, you've been reviewing some electric cars lately. And I would really like to hear your thoughts on going electric. Is it something that you prefer? Do you think it's something that is taking us in the right direction? What are your thoughts? Firstly, great research because this season of drive is actually all electric vehicles. Um, So I've driven a few and what I've been very open and honest about my opinion on electric cars. Would I go and buy one tomorrow? No, I would not. Firstly, I am an absolute rev head and I need to hear an engine. So that's just me. That's my personal opinion. Um, I'm not ready. It doesn't suit my lifestyle. I don't even have anywhere to plug in a car in my apartment building. And these apartment buildings that are new really need to keep up with that. But I think what I've found lately that is a bit of a struggle is infrastructure. The rollout throughout metro areas, yes, it's, it's, it's a lot better. Um, and you'll see a lot more around, but when you're in the regional areas and that's exactly what we've been doing lately is driving through these regional towns, you really have to plan ahead. I mean, there's one charger for, you know, a two hour trip, you'll find one fast charger. So they're, they're really behind and the rollout is really slow. So that is just a huge inconvenience. It's like you, you really need a car that has a bigger range. The Volvo that I have this weekend on this weekend show had about 420 kilometers. Um, so that got us through. But again, you know, we needed to park up and charge at night. We're obviously doing a lot more driving on the show. The other thing is the cost. I mean, and that stops a lot of people because they are obviously more expensive. And a lot of them are, you know, petrol counterparts of something that's that's already in the lineup. And they're obviously a lot more expensive. There's a lot more coming through this year. Um, we will see some more competitive pricing at the lower end of the market, a lot of Chinese vehicles, new vehicles coming through. But I think the price um, stops and scares a lot of people as well. So they are pretty expensive. What like trips me up with the whole like electric vehicle thing is how realistic is it that it becomes the mainstream? Like how can they install that many charging vehicles, uh, charging ports everywhere and in like, I just, I struggle to comprehend it, but then like, you know, what, a hundred and something years ago, we didn't even know that petrol cars would be a thing. So like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's tough. You know, it's really funny. I've been to a lot of charging stations lately and they've been taken. Like, so the demand is there. They're getting busy and they're only going to get busier. And it was funny because I was plugged in at, um, I think it was sale in regional Victoria And I think I was 10 minutes, um, like kind of overstayed my welcome in that my car was fully charged, but I was still eating lunch. So I was only 10 minutes late to the charging station. And the lady who was waiting for, because of course there was only one plug, um, the lady that was waiting had a Tesla and there are Tesla chargers everywhere. Like Tesla um, supercharge stations are all around. There's, There's a lot. There's not so many for type two and for, you know, other vehicles and, I just thought, you know, you're in Tesla. I'm sure you've got another one nearby because there are a lot about in those regional areas. And um, yeah, she wasn't happy. And you've got to have some courtesy when it comes to these sort of things because in these apps, you can actually say, hey, parked here, be back in 10 or running a little late back to your car. 
Um, so you need to think of, of that as well. There is an etiquette to being at these charging stations. It is hard to think about. Like I, I am a little bit frustrated that the rollout hasn't been faster, but there are a lot of brands that are coming in. Like RECB have a lot of great stations and they're fast chargers. Um, you'll see a lot of charge box around as well. And then BP, BP Pulse has actually come on as a sponsor for our show. So they're rolling out as well in a lot of areas, but it is going to take time. Like with anything, this new technology, it's going to take time, time to adapt. Um, but, you know, the best thing you can do, a lot of these new cars have subscriptions to these charging stations as well. So that's something you don't need to worry about paying for. That's a lot of the luxury cars. Um, but I think that I just lost my train of thought. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, I think that over the next few years, you know, there's going to be a lot of more electric vehicles out there. I mean, I can't tell you how many Teslas I saw just today driving around. So obviously they need to accommodate for that. So the promise is there. Um, let's just hope that it's actually implemented. Um, but there is like, there is one thing I want to say about electric vehicles. I know that I said that I'm not ready for them now. I have driven a lot of really, really good electric cars. So if you are in the market for one, there are a lot more to choose from now. And what about like hybrid vehicles? I have a, I have a RAV4 hybrid. Do you? How on earth know, did it, you get your hand on one of those? Because there's like a, a I year waited, and a half wait for that at the moment. <laughs> I waited six months. I waited six months for mine. Um, I got it, ordered it in January of 2021 and it turned up in, no, maybe it was December. I don't know. I got it in May of 2021 and I did wait six months and I got it in blue with the black rims and oh, it's just my baby. Like it's, it's well, you know what you should do right now? You should sell it because you'll make a lot of money. <laughs> love it too much if I didn't love it so much I probably would sell it so how do we make that step from people having no idea about hybrid or electric vehicles to it you know eventually becoming the mainstream it's about teaching people as well right like we're trying to educate mm. people we're trying to we, we had a, I had no idea special just to tell people about you know what's out there and what all of this means because it is very overwhelming you know someone like my parents would have no idea what that means they're still just getting their head around the new infotainment in their new car so yeah, it, it is a lot to take on and there's a lot to learn and we still have a long way to go. I need to read my handbook. You can save a lot of money on fuel. You're in a hybrid. Come on. <laughs> but I get, I get like a thousand kilometers per tank. But what, what I was asking is what are your thoughts on hybrid cars as opposed to electric or then, you know, full petrol is hybrid a happy medium for, you know, this day and age. I think if it's, you know, if you're using it for what I just said, like you do a lot of long trips, if you're using it as a runabout car, great for, you know, city driving, you can run it on that electric power. Um, so I think it's, I think it's a really good step for people that don't want to go fully electric, that maybe it scares them a bit. Um, it's kind of like your first step, your dress rehearsal for, for the real deal. So you're, so back to, you know, Emma, let's stop talking about electric vehicles. This could get contentious, but you're not just a presenter. You're not just a journalist. You're a little bit of everything. What's a day in the life look like, whether you're recording, you know, filming, writing, all that stuff. Give us a bit of a rundown. So what I love about this job is that I never am doing the same thing on any day. Like it, it's always different. So even though a lot of the time I am in the office writing, you know, today I jumped on to help with the news guys with some news stories. So that's, you know, something completely different. And then tomorrow, you know, I might be out doing some socials with some cars, um, but every day is completely different. I'm always up early. I try and get like a spin class in, in the morning. I feel like 
I do a spin class and I can just take on the world. Um, but working out in the morning is really important for me. It kind of sets up my, my mind for the day and my energy. Um, and then I'm in the office either writing, um, preparing scripts, or I'm out on a shoot. And a shoot day is pretty big, whether it's, you know, a commercial shoot for BMW that I've got next week, which is going to be four days, that's going to be long, or out on Drive TV. So um, it's, it's a full day of, you know, being on camera, pieces to camera, learning about the car on the go as well, because I don't always get to have the car for a long time before I'm out filming with it. Um, and then, you know, we're doing drone shots. Sometimes we can spend an hour on a road just getting drone shots, driving shots, up and back, up and back. So it is quite long. Um, and a lot of my days finish rather late. Um, I was almost late to this podcast. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of hard work. But I think, yeah, the key is that I'm always doing something different and I'm always challenged. So until you feel like it's monotonous or you get bored, um, I think I'm on a pretty pretty good wicket. Yeah, cool. And just back to the motorsport stuff, what's probably been your uh, favourite category to work in? Ooh, you know what? I went from bikes to cars to cars to bikes. And everyone's like, bikes, four wheels or two wheels? And I'm like, I can't answer that question. That's not fair. It's, it's really hard to decide. Um, I think one of my favourite times in motorsport was in the superbike paddock. I really enjoyed my time there. I was there for four years. It was literally like going away with my second family. It's, you know, with motorsport, the big thing is, is that it's the community, right? It's it's like a family down the lane. Um, and I became such great friends with everyone. It's really hard to leave that lane. Um, and again, every time I was challenged, you know, I was doing something new of a weekend. I was challenged myself to be like, okay, I'm going to go do a full 20 minute pit walk to camera and it's going to be live. You know, it was just a constant um, satisfaction. Like you leave so, so running on adrenaline, so tired, but so satisfied at the same time. And you would know that from a race weekend, whenever you leave a race weekend, you're running on adrenaline and then you come home and you're really sad that it's all over. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's like the come down of it all. Exactly. But it gave me so many great skills. Like being on live TV is one of the best things that you can do for, for media, if you want to be in media. Um, but yeah, I think super bikes and then working um, on the MotoGP desk, which I only did three nights. Um, I was a fill in, but that was one of the hardest jobs that I've ever done, but one of the best. Um, I really just felt at home sitting. I'd never actually sat on a, on a desk. I'd always been walking up and down a pit lane, but sitting on the desk as a host, um, with two experts talking about a sport that you've been watching since you're a young kid. Like my brothers were watching and we watched the Fox sports coverage every single race. So for them to be switching on and seeing me on the desk was pretty cool. Um, and it was a really surreal moment. So cool. I feel that way still about supercars still yeah. growing up watching it. I still get those like tingles. It's, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty amazing. Like going into supercars, and going into a race event for the first time, it's it's a pinch yourself moment, right? Because I had full access. I was, you know, presenting in the lane and I could walk into anyone's garage. I could talk to anyone. But at the start, I just, I was such a race fan still. And it's hard because you have to switch that <laughs> off, right? Oh, me too. It was so bad. It's not easy to do. And I, I was busted lining up 
for Garth Tander's autograph on my old Holden hat. And everyone was like, Emma, what are you doing in this line? You know, you can just go up to him and ask for his autograph later. I'm like, yeah, but I, I didn't want to push in. I didn't want to be rude, you know. And I was kind of embarrassed. Um, but I was that girl lining up autographs. And yeah, it was, God, it was such a thrill. But it was just, yeah, I can, I'll say the word again. It was surreal. I remember the first time I met Mark Winterbottom and Chaz at a signing at Woolworths. I knew you were going to say that. I thought I was going to throw up. Like, I Isn't that funny? Was, you're such a, like, you're I went, such a I went pale. girl at the start. I and went then, pale. you know, you get to know them. Um, and you spend a lot and of time And you realise they're not actually that interesting. <laughs> no, I no, wasn't going to say that. When they become, you know, a bit more like a, a friend that you can just approach really easily and be like, hey, I need an interview. What's going on? Yeah, cool. And it just comes I, second. I usually try and avoid them now because they ask me to make videos. Like, <laughs> like, Sorry, videos my social just media take... window is closed. <laughs> Today, can you just do this? Just take this photo. And I'm like, oh. No. Can I just can I just tell you that the very first job that I had to do when I landed at Townsville and I just met everyone in the team and, you know, it was very intimidating. Um, they were like, okay, first thing tomorrow morning, um, first item on the agenda, you are doing a piece and it was a sponsored piece. So it was like they gave me the script and I basically had to do it word for word um, and off by heart, you know, you can't sit there. There's no auto cue when you're in pit lane. And it was interviewing Chaz Mostert and Mar- and Garth Tander and Garth Tander. So never, you know, met them before in real life. And I was like, oh, my God. And I knew the pressure that these drivers are under too, like time pressure. They want to go to something and then they, they got to go. Like they got to, you know, jump in a car. So I knew I could only do one take. And I was shaking. That was the very, very first thing that I had to do um, in this new role. And yeah, I was, I was, I just remember my voice was shaking. I was so nervous um, and I got it all done and it was fine. Just fine. Not amazing. Fine. Um, But I, it was Ford Performance Racing back then. And I remember instead of FPR, I said like FRP. So it's something that had to like go back, edit. And I was like, great, stuffed up my first thing. But yeah, that was just a challenge in itself. The very first day having to accomplish something like that to camera because you don't want to disappoint them by by mucking up and being like, sorry, everyone, I stopped up. Um, yeah, it's it's very overwhelming. Thrown in the deep end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the, the best way to get thrown into a deep end. Go on camera with that two supercar drivers first thing in the morning. I've said this before. My first job in supercars media was to iron Neil Crompton's shirt. Neil Neil Crompton, Mark Scaife and Corey Parker, the Queensland footy players, shirts. And they're like their broadcast shirts. I didn't know how to iron. I called my mum. We got through it. It was okay. I was going to say, did you do a good job though? Or did they go on air with a creased shirt? I didn't look. I didn't watch the broadcast. Did Neil find something to catch you out on or was it it all right? He's got such a good attention to detail. I uh, just tried to stay away you from it all. I didn't watch the broadcast because, like, I would have known. I would have known if I watched the segment. Yeah, yeah. If I watched yeah. the segment, I would have been like, oh, no, I missed the collar and just would have, like, wrapped my head into, like, circles. But <laughs> you, you never forget your first day, so. Never forget your first day. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about super bikes. Super yes. bikes are interesting. I like mm. bikes. I like two wheels. Mm-hmm. What's it like they to go- work? They go fast the and the racing is actually amazing. 
and it's competitive and all, nuts. all the time. And they're, they're all nuts. nuts. Yes. I've got to be nuts yes. to be on that bike. Um, what was it like is the question, being on the broadcast? <laughs> What's it like to be in the paddock, in the broadcast, you know, just in that world? At the start, again, very intimidating because I had come from four wheels to two wheels and I think people are like, oh, does she know anything about bikes? Um, it's funny because, you know, you can have a passion for something, but you need to work really hard to, to make that come to life. And there was a lot of research involved, like a lot of different teams, names that, you know, I didn't know having to introduce myself to the entire pit lane. Um, but yeah, it, God, it was just, everyone there is so amazing. We, we made our little family. It was really easy to just approach the riders and, and ask for interviews and, I think because I was hosting, but pit reporting at the same time as executive producing, I was kind of doing it all. So I was just running around like a mad woman. Um, but there's, there was a lot of research involved for that as well. Cause I was doing three or four categories in one day and they would all go back to back. And then you go from the live stream to live TV, which you've seen before, you know what that's like. Um, so it's big days, but really, really fun. And just getting to do a lot of different things. Like I was like, you know, I want to do the Martin, Brundle style grid walk and I would develop my skills into being able to do that. So you need to know everyone, right? You need to just be able to approach anyone on the grid and know the mechanics, the team bosses, everyone's names. So I really worked hard at just getting to know everyone, not just with their, you know, racing background, but on a personal level too. You need to be able to approach someone at any time live on a, on a coverage. You might have to pad for 20 minutes or something. And, you know, if you see a rider, you should know that it's his birthday today or, you know, just information like that. So it was really challenging, but really rewarding at the same time. And I guess you get to do quite a bit with your job. You get to do a lot of different things every day. But overall, as a whole, just out of everything, what is what is the best bit about it for you? I think the fact that it's, you know, not monotonous and that it's challenging like every day I feel challenged um learning you know there's new cars coming through every week there's things to learn every single day um so I think that's the best part about it not the fact just the fact that I get to drive amazing cars a lot of people you know look at my Instagram they're like oh my god like what firstly what do you actually do and secondly you know you it looks so glamorous it's not you know it's Instagram versus reality right you've got to work hard in this job and you've got to always be on the ball and you've always got to deliver amazing content. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a real thrill to be able to do that. There's two women journalists in our Melbourne office um, and we both, you know, support each other immensely because we're still learning a lot. I don't know everything about every single engine, every single car, every single variant. Um, so I st I'm still learning every day on the job. But I think if, you know, if you can work hard and you can do your research, then. Yeah, there's just so many benefits to this to this gig. And then just on that, what is probably the biggest challenges of your job? I think some of the biggest challenges are, well, firstly, you know, it as I said, Instagram versus reality, it's not as glamorous as you think. There's a lot of hard work that's involved with doing a job like this. You know, you really be, need to be across everything. Whether you're presenting on TV, um, where you need to be on your game, or you're writing articles, like you really need to be focused and always stay on top of things. There's a lot of research involved. You know, you're always learning about new cars, um, so you really need to keep on top of all that. Then I think balancing as well, 
there's a lot of balance involved. Um, at the moment, I'm trying to have a bit more of a work-life balance, um, but it's easy to do when you love your job so much, right? I'll come home and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll just jump online. Um, so I think that can be hard. Um, I think always delivering content that's fun and exciting is probably one of the biggest challenges because if you have a look at it, there are a lot of people reviewing cars out there. There are a lot of people on social media doing cool things with cars, but how can you be different and interesting and engaging at the same time? So I think keeping your content flowing and making it impactful and things that people actually want to watch um, can be quite difficult. You, you never really know. It's so funny because I did the Ferrari Porta Sangue launch, which I spoke about earlier. Um, and there were a few challenges that day in the filming um, and the location. And I left thinking, oh my God, this is such a big launch. And I just did the worst video ever. Like I hated my presentation. You know, I'm really hard on myself as I'm sure a lot of us are. And I came away just feeling like, wow, that was, that was terrible. That's, that's going to be my worst video ever. Meanwhile, it ended up being the most watched video on the Drive YouTube channel last year. It's at 500 and something thousand views. Um, so it's so funny. Like you, you just can't be so hard on yourself and I'm so critical and I, I want to be perfect at everything. But sometimes you just need to know and be okay with the fact that not everything can be perfect. And sometimes you do have to half-ass things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really funny to walk away not feeling great about something, but I think you just got to believe in yourself and believe in what you're delivering. It's a tricky balance between, you know, delivering to schedule or delivering to demand and stuff and actually stepping back and saying, this is good enough. I struggled so much. Yeah, it's hard. And I, you can research as much as you want. You can write a script. A lot of the time I don't write a script, right? Because it's better to be off the cuff. Um, but yeah, you can think you've put so much work into something and it's going to be amazing, but it, it might not end up being like that. You know, people might not read it. People might not watch it. Um, but yeah, I think you just got to be true to yourself just as long as you're true to yourself and you are yourself on camera, which at the start of my career, I don't think I really could do it or was able to do it or given that opportunity. But now I have such a voice and people like me just going out there and being Emma. Which is obviously a really funny person because I'm hilarious, right? You are hilarious. <laughs> so I'm absolutely you are hilarious. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for the most important question that yes. we're gonna ask you this entire podcast? Bring it on. Most important question. Most important question. Drive to survive season five. All oh, your thoughts and no spoilers. Go. You are going to laugh when I say this, okay? But I was at a girls on track event last week in Tassie and for our Friday night we decided to sit in the hotel room and watch Drive to Survive, right? Because it just came out. Like, why would I be out in the town in Tassie when Drive to Survive has just landed? I fell asleep three times. I'm not going to lie. I love it, but I just didn't find it as entertaining this season. Having said oh, that, my God, me too. Yeah, thank you. Yes. It's I thought it was just me, but I think that, you know, a lot of the teams don't want things shown. So what, like, look, it's still great. Okay. Um, there's a lot of racing in it. So we are rewatching a lot of racing this time. I feel like there's chunks of races positioned in there. Was there it's because there was less drama. Well, we don't get to see as much drama. So I feel like what we're seeing is what we already know, right? Like, tell me one, tell me if you know the answer to this question. Did um, Otmar actually go to Oscar and offer him 
the job or was it just put out there on social media? We don't have answers. We don't know. So we're not really getting the behind the scenes, I feel, this time around. I think they just assumed. That I think they just assumed as a reserve driver. They were like, yep, it's Oscar. And You're then in. Oscar's like, oh. Yeah, I still I want to know what everyone else thinks about this, but it's it's not the best. It's not the best. I, I'm still, as I said, I'm only up to um, episode six. But, yeah, it's. I think they've they've left a lot out and I want them to go a little bit. It's it's harder because you can't like script reality TV. I mean, you can actually, but <laughs> have you seen have you seen Maths or Love Island? <laughs> How good is Gunther though? Oh, Gunther's Gunther's a sensation. Is a sensation, but I think um, you know a lot of the drivers and the teams have yeah sort of put a pin in it and probably don't want to give as much access. And I think you can see they just that. want to race. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, they get told to be the face of, of, of things and it's not like it was in the old days, hey, like, but we, we want to know, we want to know them. We want to know who they are. We want to see what they're doing. We want access. That's what the fans want. Who do you pick, Toto or Horner? Oh, don't. It tears everyone down the line. It literally tears people, like, in half. I really have a soft spot for Christian Horner, but Toto's just a legend, right? Toto is delicious. Yeah, he is a little bit delicious, isn't he? He's so hot. Everyone agrees. We want to know, do you think Toto Wolf is hot? Correct? He's delicious. Oh, my God. Yeah, delicious. That word is not used enough. So we all agree Toto is delicious and Drive to Survive Mm -hmm. Season 5 is a little bit boring. But this is where I'm going to love you guys and leave you because I have a futsal game to play. And hashtag hashtag priorities. But you're leaving us for a game. Is that fair? I'm not. I'm leaving you in the capable hands of Priya Richards. She would go play futsal over hanging out with me. That's a bit mean, but enjoy. Um, Let us know how you go. I guess. (laughs) All right. Um, Enjoy the rest of the podcast, guys. I'm out. Thank you. Thanks for all your work. All right, so we love talking about this here at Girls on the Grid, but how did you get involved in the Girls on Track program? So it all started when I was working for GPTV in 2018 and Louise Goodman, who's on the coverage a lot, she does a lot of racing overseas. Um, She's also an ambassador for Girls on Track UK. She actually put me up for it. She was telling me all about it. I was like, "Um, I need to get involved in this. So she sent an email and then boom, I was in. and back in 2018, yeah, it was it was small, and we were really just just getting started and getting some people behind us and getting around to you know I think six events in the year. And where we were then compared to where we are now is just amazing. I'm so proud of everyone involved, the ambassadors, Priyanka, a special mention to her um, for what she's done the program even just in the last year. It's just going from strength to strength, and I'm really passionate about it. I think the real point for me is that I never had anything like this. And I always say that if I did when I was at school or, you know, in uni, still deciding what I wanted to do with my life, I really feel like I would have gotten into this a lot earlier because it's about creating awareness, right? Did I know that, you know, I could get into pit lane and do something like this? Like, did I know that a passion could combine with a career. No, I really, I really didn't think that that was possible. So it's, it's so great to, to bring that awareness to these younger girls and to get them excited about the industry. 
And I guess for you, when when you were actually coming into the, when you were coming into motorsport yourself, did you ever feel like did you notice that kind of like inner inequality of it all? Was that really noticeable to you? Um, I think I just felt like I had imposters a bit of imposter syndrome because I was like, am I good at this? Am am I doing okay? Um, I was questioning myself a lot. And when I started back in 2014, you really didn't see a lot of women in sport coverages, not just motorsport, but sport in general. And now I doubt that you'll turn on the TV and not see a woman present on a panel, on desk, on a show, in a pit lane, which is amazing. But um, yeah, there weren't many of us back then. And I didn't really have a lot of women around me to lean on. I did have a lot of very supportive men and I'm still great friends with them to this day. A lot of them still work in the supercar lane um, and in motorsport as commentators. And I thank them so much because they were great, but harsh. And that really helped me. So I had the feedback, I had the, the criticism and it really helped me get through pit lane. They taught me everything I needed to know about interviewing down a lane. And I'm really, really grateful to them for that. So yeah, I did have some support and I had some, some mentors um, throughout the years. You know, some of them are still my mentor to this, my mentors to this day. And a lot of them are actually men. I do have some great women support and some great women mentors. Um, but yeah, I still lean on them and call them and ask them questions about even things that I'm doing now. So that's really important too, is that I say to these young girls now, just make sure that you have support and that you ask questions and that you, you know, get a mentor. Mm -hmm. So who has inspired you along the way? Who's someone who's given you some advice that's really stuck with you or just helped you in your career? You know, it doesn't even have to be people in this industry i feel like my mum has been one of the biggest supports um i would call her after i would do a live intro on fox sports for supermarks and be like was that okay you know i, I needed some reassurance and my mum was there for that a lot of the time um so i think just support in general is really important but yeah i mean i have a lot of great women around me at the moment that i can lean on and that i can call for support and ask questions and just get advice and you know, shout out to a lot of the women that are in Girls on Track. Nadine and I are really great friends. We happen to work in exactly the same industry, doing pretty much the same job. And yeah, we will. It's there's it's women supporting women, right? We, there's there's no bitchiness in our group, in our generation. Um, I it's don't all know just it's, love. It's all love. And we're there to look out for one another. We're there to, you know, pass on a job or, you know, take, take a job from them if, if they're handing it out. Like, we, we look out for each other. We really do. We inspire each other. I hope that I inspire them at times, but <laughs> you know, they, they really are true inspirations, listening to their stories, even just what they've done that week or on the weekend or with an interview they've had or a job that they've just done. You know, I'm really proud of them and I'm really proud to see the love and the support um, in this group and, you know, in pit lanes now and in the industry itself. And so what would your advice be if there's someone listening to this right now and they want to do exactly what you do, what would your advice be for them? So I think the first thing I've already said about getting a mentor, asking questions, try anything, say yes to a lot of things, especially if you're younger. I worked for free for many, many years, but those opportunities and those connections I still rely on to this day. Um, so definitely get out there and, and try a lot.
because you never really know what you're going to love. You know, I've gone from pit lanes to desks to, you know, doing some producing to now working um, in automotive. So I think that you really need to try a few different things to see what your number one is and where you feel comfortable. Um, Have some thick skin because rejection isn't easy, especially when, you know, you're just starting out. I remember the very first job I got rejected from, I was just... I didn't understand. And my mum was like, oh, wow, Emma, you're going to have to have thicker skin if you're going to be in this business. And she was right because you look at my my skin now and it's pretty thick. There are lots of layers. Um, And no, it's not not nice, but, you know, you just got to believe in yourself, be yourself and know that you are good enough to be in this industry and be doing this. And you've got to work hard. You've got to be driven because it's it's not a job that you can just put into seek motoring journalist or you know presenter they're not available it's about networking it's about doing the work doing your research um setting goals and working towards them and it does take time i mean it's taken eight years to land in this position that i'm in now so it will take time but you've got to be willing to put in the work as well Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us today. Thank you. I've been watching you for years since I was like young and I've seen you come through and it's really cool to see where you've ended up and just awesome to be able to sit and talk to you as well. So thank you so much. I hope I haven't turned anyone off. One thing I do need to say is that it is incredible to be in. So if you are willing to do it, like it's, it's just so satisfying and I honestly could not imagine doing anything else. So if you're out there and you're thinking about it, we're always here to reach out to. I have people reach out to me on Instagram asking questions. So please do, please connect with me. And um, thank you. It's been really nice to chat. So big thank you to Emma for coming on the podcast. I love how when we were just, when we were coming into that episode, we we're saying that we were just starting to eat our nuggets and we literally are just getting into them now. <laughs> the magic of podcasting. The magic of editing, guys. Oh man, how would you so, ever... We're just cracking open some sweet and sour sauce here. Oh my god, you know just what we put need it on to the do? Back. I don't know if anyone's gonna know what I'm talking about here. I really hope so. But what? Mukbangs. Please what? tell me you know what they are. I don't they know are. what that is. It sounds almost inappropriate, mm. but it's not. It's like where you just film yourself trying and reviewing food. I used to just watch them on YouTube. That's so but strange. When I was in school and I had nothing, or I definitely had work to do, but I was just See, on some YouTube. Of us, some of us actually did the school work. Yeah, some of us are normal, apparently. But I used to just sit in the back of the classroom watching mukbangs, because they were funny. I don't know what that is. Like with Trisha Paytas. Um, there's this guy. I You're making name. me feel old. Mm. McDonald's have changed their sweet and sour sauce, mm. and it's just not as good. Yeah, I think McDonald's need to give us some sponsorship for this. This is serious advertising. As always, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, go check out our socials. Our We're, we're actually <laughs> killing the socials game at the moment. Some might say that. Our feed looks really nice. Mm. And nearly as good as this McNugget. Mm. Mm. Not mm. quite, but it's Look getting there. Look at it. These are some crispy nuggets, mm. hey? They're tasty. All right, well, we're going to keep enjoying our filthy McDonald's here. <laughs> but we hope you all have a fantastic week. We do. We really hope that. And thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. You've just listened to another Network R production. 